young, beautiful, innocent people living and enjoying their lives murdered by evil losers. A better future is only possible if your nations drive out the terrorists and drive out the extremists. Drive them out. Drive them out of your places of worship. Drive them out of your community. Drive them out of your holy land and drive them out of this earth. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. Caruso, the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, Tuesday, May 23rd, 2017, the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. We're back. Uh, Very busy news day, as you know. A little bit of a... A startling day following this um, terror attack in Manchester, the U.K. last night. Uh, We'll go over a few top news stories and then have an interview today with uh, former Trump campaign official Chuck Kirkpatrick, who started a organization, thepeoplesvote.com, which uh, keeps the power to the people. A great organization. I personally have checked it out and... um, a website that will keep the government accountable, uh, especially the corrupt crony politicians uh, in the swamp that is Washington, D.C. So stay tuned for that interview. But uh, the terror attack yesterday raises a lot of concerns and the reality that uh, we face today in this age of terror. Uh, just to give you the facts that we know that we're uh, as we're recording the podcast on uh, Tuesday afternoon, uh, British authorities have identified a suicide bomber who launched a deadly attack last night at the Ariana Grande concert um, hours after the Islamic State terror group uh, earlier today claimed responsibility for the blast. Uh, The 22-year-old suicide bomber, Salman Abidi, uh, has been uh, claimed as a soldier of ISIS. He detonated an improvised explosive device about 10.30 p.m. local time in Manchester, Uh, Last night, killing more than 20 people, uh, a lot of them children, injuring dozens more. Uh, Manchester police have confirmed that uh, at least 12 children under the age of 16 were injured. Uh, An 8-year-old girl, a big uh, Ariana Grande fan, um, among uh, the deceased. Uh, ISIS claimed that, quote, a soldier, the caliphate, planted bombs in the middle of crusaders' gatherings then uh, detonated them. Director of National Intelligence Dan Coates today said that the U.S. has not verified that ISIS was responsible, but um, uh, radical Islam taking uh, the credit for this as President Trump is overseas meeting with world leaders. Uh, Today he's in Rome uh, after traveling from Israel. Um, Of course, uh, this raises a lot of um, uh, fears in people's minds and brings up a lot of questions about uh, how he came in, uh, what the uh, how how he was able to put this bomb in such a 
crowded place. Uh, now, the bomb uh, inflicted as much human damage as possible was intended to do so. Officials believe that the device was packed with shrapnel, nails, um, and in a closed space that um, that was such a heinous, um, gruesome, vicious attack uh, that has us all shaken today. Um, when you look at this, and this happened in Britain, which is working towards uh, closing their borders and uh, leaving the EU, uh, many people, of course, on the, on the political right are applauding now that they are leaving. Uh, Theresa May, the uh, prime minister, uh, came out and uh, and condemned the attack and, and said that they will, uh, uh, called it appalling, uh, sickening cowardice. Uh, is what Theresa May said. Uh, President Trump, as you heard uh, in the intro clip there, uh, called them losers, which they are. They are um, they're a lot of words that I can't say on the air, uh, but they are losers. Um, and um, President Trump in Saudi Arabia uh, talked about defeating the ideology and getting rid of the extremism and, um, and made the distinction between Islam and radical Islam, which we haven't heard in eight years. You know, we had eight years of a president who went on an apology tour, who apologized for our alleged sins and, oh, America's done a lot of things wrong, okay, according to Obama. Now we have a president who stands firm, uh, who shows American strength, American exceptionalism, and says, listen, we're not going to interfere. We're not going to tell you what to think or what to do, but we will interfere when there's funding of terrorism and innocent people dying. And he sent that message loud and clear. Uh, King Solomon uh, of Saudi Arabia uh, welcomed him with open arms, rolled out the red carpet for President Trump, a big difference from what we've seen the past eight years. And you can see already American foreign policy is already being effective. There is respect for President Trump uh, today, uh, leaving Israel, uh, good friends with Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, uh, President Trump is, and uh, Melania, and all of them uh, getting along really well and saying we, we are working together. America is back, uh, which has been shown. And, um, but the real impressive thing in this trip so far has been Saudi Arabia. Um, the fact that they... Okay, which, listen, they have a lot of human rights violations. There's a lot of critics saying, well, you know, where is President Trump? Because he talked about in the campaign. Where is he uh, talking about uh, the oppression of women, uh, the fact that they enslave women, that women cannot drive, they cannot leave the house without a male's supervision, the persecution of Christians and Jews? Well, what's not to say he did in private? And even so, he just built a strong relationship with them that now he can tackle those things. And what we're hearing is the Saudi Arabia and what their politicians are saying is that they're moving away from a conservative um, ideology to a more moderate um, Muslim um, ideology in which uh, women, they're talking about women driving and uh, women having rights. Uh, but when we're talking about terrorism, we're talking about human rights here. We're talking about innocent people dying, um, many Muslims dying in the Middle East. And... President Trump made that distinction clear, and he stood uh, – it was a tough, passionate speech on Sunday, um, emotional at times. It was right on point, and it was applauded by Saudi Arabia because they know 
They have used these ISIS losers, as the president called them today. They have used and hijacked the Muslim faith using the name of the Muslim religion uh, to commit these heinous attacks. They have hijacked it. And so it is now uh, about time that we are identifying the threat, that we are naming the ideology, and we are working to defeat radical Islamic terror. And you have to name it, and you have to identify it. And finally, uh, we have a president who is standing uh, put, who is not isolating our, our Saudi allies by saying that. That's the ironic part. All of these people in the United States who do not have respect for our president, they're seeing other nations that they would think would have no respect for our president, have the utmost respect and, and, um, and come to an agreement that we need to defeat this perverted ideology and extremism. And so after a terror attack last night that has really shaken Europe and the world, uh, innocent children that they go after, children because they, they think that as children of God, they are the enemy and that they will grow up to be the enemy. And, and it is so outrageous and heinous what this um, group is doing, and we have to defeated. You know, Obama gave billions of dollars to the largest state sponsor of terror, being Iran. We signed a deal that allows them to have a 90-day window before we even check up on them, before we can visit Iran and see if they're building nuclear capabilities. After 10 years, they can do whatever the hell they want in their nuclear capability. And they, okay, are the enemies of everyone in the Middle East. That is where ISIS is, okay? And that's where they're trying to build a caliphate and trying to build a world power. And we're giving billions of dollars to them. We're releasing prisoners from Guantanamo Bay under the Obama administration that have now gone back on the battlefield to fight against us. They hate everything we stand for. It is time to close borders. It is time to protect our country. You know, there's a, uh, I told you about this a couple of weeks ago, the State Department issued a travel warning against Europe this summer. Now, Europe of all places would be the last place you think there would be a problem. But there is. Frankly, you can't pay me to leave this country because right now, anywhere in this world is dangerous. We have a massive threat. And it's an ideology. It's not necessarily um, anyone with uniforms. It is a radical ideology and it has to be defeated. And, you know, people are being inspired online. It's, uh, it's really upsetting and it's, uh, it's something that when you, when you see such a gruesome and, um, you know, just unbelievable, uh, attack that someone could be so evil to commit that a suicide bomber last night in Manchester reminds us that we live in a world that uh, that is threatened each and every day. And we are lucky to have a president who is going to add to the military, uh, is beefing up our security, is respecting our law enforcement who protect us. All of a sudden, people love the law enforcement. Well, you should, uh, because they keep us safe here. Um, and we need to support them, and we need to put resources to defeat terror, to prevent attacks here, and it's very difficult. And, by the way, this probably could have been prevented because there were social media posts. And this is now where you have to bring in the liberals from Silicon Valley and say, hey, 
okay? You could monitor this. You need to help us because there were social media messages that were going on that would have prevented, that could have given off a tip to law enforcement. There aren't enough resources, obviously, to deal with it, but this is something that actually could have been prevented, that there were social media posts that should have been monitored by our top law enforcement intelligence officials. Instead, they are more concerned about the non uh, the made-up uh, collusion between Trump and Russia that does not, never existed. Okay, and we have proof of that under oath. Even today, John Brennan saying Trump has not pressured the Intelligence Committee to drop the Flynn investigation. Contrary to the leaks that are coming out of Washington and the New York Times and Washington Post who are seeking to destroy this presidency and the liberal media taking advantage of it. Um, there's no evidence of collusion. John Brennan, the former CIA director, spoke today under oath on Capitol Hill. This is the former CIA director under President Barack Hussein Obama. I wanted to uh, follow up on a, a comment that I made in the opening statement, uh, and that is uh, with respect to a number of the allegations that have been made recently uh, that the president uh, or his aides may have sought to enlist the help of members of the IC or Director Comey himself to drop the Flynn investigation. Uh, have any members of the IC shared with you uh, their concerns that the president was attempting to enlist the help of people within the intelligence community to drop the Flynn investigation? No, sir. Um, are you aware of any uh, efforts the president has made to enlist the support of inter uh, intelligence community personnel to push back on uh, a narrative involving the collusion issue that Mr. Rooney was asking about. I am unaware of it. Okay, so the former CIA director, okay, who should know everything, does not know, is unaware of any efforts by President Trump or his staff to pressure the intelligence community into dropping the criminal investigation surrounding former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, who had contacts, which, by the way, nothing illegal there, who's preparing to do his job. They unmasked his name and illegally leaked that to the media, that is the crime committed that we know of with Flynn. If he had contacts with Russia, it was to prepare to do his job as national security advisor. The unmasking is the crime. The illegal leaking to the media is the crime. So the former CIA director, the former director of national intelligence, John um, James Clapper, uh, and... Obama officials and Democrats even admit that there's no collusion, no evidence of collusion between Trump and Russia. And even if he had contacts with Russia, it wouldn't be illegal anyway. So it's a non-starter. Just to prove it, here is some audio. The Democrats, including Maxine Waters, the liberal nut from California, who has been calling for Trump's impeachment since before the inauguration. Well, they all say there's no evidence of collusion. So how could you impeach? Mr. Clapper, the former DNI, and we all know who he is. This is someone who should know. I want to read what he said just a few weeks ago. Uh, but Mr. Clapper then went on to say that to his knowledge, there was no evidence of collusion between members of the Trump campaign and the Russians. We did not conclude any evidence in our report. And when I say our report, that is the NSA, FBI, and CIA, with my office, the Director of National Intelligence, that had anything, any reflection of collusion between the members of the Trump campaign and the Russians. There was no evidence of that in our report. Was Mr. Clapper wrong when he said that? I think he's right uh, about character.
a report which you, you all have read. We did not include any evidence in our report, and I say our, that's NSA, FBI, and CIA with my office, the Director of National Intelligence, that had anything, that had any reflection of collusion between members of the Trump campaign and the Russians. There was no evidence of that included in, in our report. I understand that, but does it exist? Not to my knowledge. Can you say definitively that there was collusion? There were people affiliated with the Trump campaign who were working with Russians to time the release of damaging information about Hillary Clinton that had been, that had been hacked either from John Podesta or the DNC? Uh, I don't think we can say anything definitively at this now, point. Have you seen anything, either intelligence briefings, through intelligence briefings, anything to back up any of the accusations that sure. you've made? Well, first of all, don't forget that all of our intelligence agencies said yes. They have the documentation that they did the hacking. The hacking. On the DNC. Right. And on some of us, you know, that had But the collusion, it. though. No, we have not. But do you believe, do you have evidence that there was, in fact, collusion between Trump associates and Russia during the campaign? Not at this time. What's your view on any proof? Have you seen anything that suggests any collusion between the Russians and the Trump campaign? Well, there's an awful lot of smoke there, let's put it that way. People that might have said they were involved, to what extent they were involved, to what extent the president might have known about these people or whatever. There's nothing there from that standpoint that we have seen directly linking uh, our president to any of that. There is nothing there. We are wasting our time when we have people who want to kill us and we're worried about whether or not Trump talked to somebody on the phone. There's illegal leaks coming out of Washington. The New York Times and Washington Post, in fact, I saw an exchange on Twitter that is really disgusting, that they are coordinating. Now, remember, last week, what was it, uh, Friday, Thursday, they came out with the um, nut job report, which, by the way, Number one, we don't even know if he's actually said that, if that's true. Number two, if he called James Comey a nut job, good for him. He is a nut job. And then his father came out and said later in the day, oh, well, I think Trump is a nut job. Well, great. He said, she said. And if Comey's father believes that, then I think there's more concern that the intelligence community and the top intelligence officials are out to get Trump than Trump having murmuring something to somebody that we got rid of a nut job. He inserted himself into politics. We did that on the last program last Sunday uh, on the Neil A. Crusoe show, which is archived. We did a whole segment on James Comey, the political actor. And all the times since he was sworn in as FBI director that he inserted himself into politics and publicly sparred with either Obama or Trump. That's not his job. You serve at the pleasure of the president. Now, even though you serve at the pleasure of the president— of course, you can have disagreements, but you keep that to yourself. Investigations are not supposed to be public. And then when you come out and release all the crimes that somebody, Hillary Clinton, did, and say 110 classified emails were sent or received, that foreign actors could have easily hacked the information, that she committed all of these illegalities and, and had a corrupt foundation, and even said under oath, that Loretta Lynch got in, way, got in the way of the investigation when she met with Bill Clinton on the tarmac and that that 
proved to him that there could not be an independent investigation by the Department of Justice. By the way, there was no special counsel put in for the Hillary Clinton investigation when Comey testifies that the DOJ could not investigate it without any um, without uh, lack of integrity. So you have all of these problems, okay? And there's no special counsel. And you, all of a sudden, the media, they love James Comey. I, it's so pathetic. And that they come up with these things and they're trying to make it believable that Trump said it. We don't know if it's true. The leaks coming out of Washington are from career bureaucrats who are unelected deep state actors. And they need to be drained. We need term limits. Part of my conversation with Chuck Kirkpatrick coming up. But we have bigger issues and bigger fish to fry. Even some liberals and progressives and Democrats outside of Washington, D.C. are growing weary of focusing too much on this Trump-Russia narrative, which, by the way, according to the book Shattered, which was written by two Clinton insiders, they reveal that the Trump-Russia narrative was drawn up on election night when Hillary lost and did not show up to her own campaign headquarters. Now, an article published in the New York Times yesterday titled Outside Washington's Blazing Inferno, Democrats Take an Agenda, uh, a quote from Nancy Keenan, the executive director of Montana's Democratic Party, um, is a perfect example of the uh, of people so tired that regular people on both sides of the political spectrum uh, are exhausted by this. This is a Washington uh, narrative that is sought to undermine our president and really damages our national security. And it leaves us very discouraged of the future of our country and what millions of Americans voted for on November 8th. Now, Nancy Keenan, the executive director of Montana's Democratic Party, is quoted as saying, Russia is important to the American public, but health care hits home directly in people's lives. She goes on to say, regular Montanans are thinking about the heck of a spring snowstorm we just had, this health care bill, the stuff that's hitting them every single day. They know something is amiss in Washington, but in their everyday lives, it doesn't affect them. Democratic strategist Anita Dunn quoted in that article, saying there's this Washington narrative, and then there's the voter narrative, which pretty much sums it up. Because what do regular Americans care about? They care about how much money they're going to have in their savings. They care about this budget that was proposed by President Trump uh, today. And frankly, the media's hijacking this narrative on the budget. Because if you actually read the budget, you know that they're not taking away Social Security. Okay, but what are they, what's the narrative? Last night, first of all, there was an embargo on this because I get all the White House emails. And there was a embargo on this information. It was sent to reporters so that they can delve into the budget. And they reported early, way before the White House, wanted it to be released. So they broke a rule. And they released this budget. And they say, they're cutting Medicaid. They're cutting Social Security. Your grandparents are going to be off Social Security. It's not going to be sustained. All of this is fake. Okay? And people get all anxious about this. And this is what the Democrats do. And the Democratic Party wants to scare seniors. 
This is what they do because they want votes in 2018. They're already drawing up narratives to kick Republicans out. Now, Republicans haven't done anything. Frankly, they are spineless. We still haven't had a health care bill and tax reform to follow. Now, the market has been optimistic so far the last two days. But last week really tanked uh, at the end of last week because there is a lot of anxiety when you have all of these things, all these leaks, and the news cycle, people cannot keep up with what's going on. And a lot of it is fake, but they don't know it because they're not reading the real news. They're not paying attention to what's actually going on, and they're not getting their news sources from all over. And frankly, the lazy reporters and journalists aren't doing their jobs. A lot of them are activists. They're not actually reading the bills. This budget puts the nation's budget back into balance, attempts to reduce our debt. You know, Obama added more debt than all 43 presidents before him combined. This budget promotes fiscally conservative principles, all the while delivering on Trump's campaign promise not to cut Social Security, retirement, or Medicare. The budget's combination of regulatory tax and welfare reforms will provide opportunities for economic growth and creation. Now, the U.S. economy from 2000 to 2016 grew at an average of 1.9% of GDP, okay? In 2005, the annual GDP topped 3%. That was the, uh, that was the last time it was at 3%, or 2000, excuse me, um, it topped 4%. That was the highest, the last time that it was that high. Under Obama, an average of 2.1% of GDP is anemic. We've seen our jobs go overseas. We've seen steelworkers and coal miners lose their jobs in favor of illegal immigrants getting those jobs. We've seen outsourcing being a big play of this. Now, there's optimism in the economy again. Now, this budget, there's no cuts to Medicare or Social Security, so you can shut that narrative down. President Trump's budget saves the American people billions of dollars through welfare tax and regulatory Reform. Uh, with welfare reform over the next 10 years, it is estimated that $272 billion will be saved. $150 billion will be saved in improper payment savings. There's a lot of waste, fraud, and abuse. The president is requesting a $54 billion or 10% increase on defense level spending, beefing up our military, peace through strength, and making sure that we put America first and get our interests in order especially in places like the Middle East, where they are chopping off heads, where ISIS is seeking to build a caliphate. Those are interests we cannot stop. You know, I heard a story the other day where someone said, well, you know, we shouldn't have fought World War II, but we shouldn't have gotten involved. Oh, really? We're not going to get involved in World War II when Nazi Germany is trying to take over the world. It's asinine. And it's the same thing with ISIS. They are the Nazis of our time. We need to defeat them. We need to destroy them. And it's an ideology which is even more dangerous. The budget that Trump proposed, and again, this has to be you know, figured out in legislation, but the budget includes over a $2.6 billion uh, infrastructure and technology investment spending, um, including giving uh, the Border Patrol officers, frontline law enforcement officers, the tools and technologies they need to deter, deny, identify, track, and resolve illegal activity along the border. A $2.6 billion border security funding, um, which would go towards the wall and would go towards um, 
to, uh, border security and surveillance and uh, monitoring and technology as well. Um, Mick Mulvaney, the OMB director, Office of Management Budget, uh, spoke at the White House briefing room today, and he said, listen, the wall's going to get done. It's priority. The last budget was really Obama's budget, and Republicans really missed the mark on the PR narrative. And all of this stuff that is communicated is a PR game. It is how does it get portrayed in the public? And the Democrats win 9 out of 10 times because they have the media supporting them behind their back, but they don't have the facts. And if Republicans actually grew a spine and talked about uh, the necessary components of this budget, why we need the wall. I mean, listen, Obama, Hillary, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi all supported the wall post 9-11. Nothing has changed, okay, in terms of our—it's just gotten worse, our security threat. And now because they want illegal immigrants to come in because it fits their narrative and it fits their—why they are in power because there is illegal voting that goes on— that is why they don't support a wall anymore. But meanwhile, we see MS-13 gang members there on Long Island, New York, in communities across this country. And they are bringing in murderers and rapists and drug dealers are in here and selling heroin and opioids to our kids. And uh, there will be a congressional hearing, I believe next week, the Suffolk County of Long Island um, uh, police commissioner will be testifying on the MS-13 gang. What have they done? Nothing. They let it happen. And finally, we have a president who is trying to do something about it. Since 2013, we've had over 60 ISIS-linked plots or attacks in the West or on Western targets involving the use of uh, or attempted use of homemade explosives like Manchester yesterday. We've had Paris on April 20th. We've had Stockholm on April 7th. London, March 22nd, Paris on February 3rd, just this year alone, recent terror attacks in Europe. And you go back to Brussels, and you go back to San Bernardino in this country, and Orlando. We need to, I mean, it's about time that we get behind our president, we support him. It is way overdue, and these obstructionists are doing a hell of a job. We cannot let it happen. We the people have to stand up, folks. So, coming up, I have an interview with Chuck Kirkpatrick of ThePeoplesVote.com and a former Trump campaign official. A fantastic, insightful interview that we talk about everything that you can do to get involved in politics. I'm not saying running for office, as the Democrats want you to do, and the snowflakes. Talking about being engaged and knowing what's going on in Washington and how you can keep the corruption in government accountable. That's coming up on the Neil Akerson Show podcast on this May 23rd. It's time to dream big. Neil A. Caruso tells you what you need to know on the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. 
Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Donald Trump, sworn in as president 100 days ago. America has rarely seen such success. A respected Supreme Court justice confirmed. Companies investing in American jobs again. America becoming more energy independent. Regulations that kill American jobs eliminated. The biggest tax cut plan in history. You wouldn't know it from watching the news. America is winning and President Trump is making America great again. I'm Donald Trump and I approve this message. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel and a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Making a real impact. That's why it's so important to have like voices like yours, for instance, um, because I think that without your voice and without your podcast and your business, you know, who knows? He might have never gotten the care that he needed in first place. Neil's dedication is to you, the American people. He's getting you the real deal news. news that you won't get and miss the media clutter. The Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. What you need to know, telling it the way it is as you deserve. Subscribe to the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast on iTunes and log on to neilacaruso.com. Now joining us on the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast is Chuck Kirkpatrick. He's the founder of thepeoplesvote.com and was the manager of the Fort Lauderdale campaign office for the Donald J. Trump campaign for president. He's also a Navy veteran as well. So, Mr. Kirkpatrick, thank you for your service, and thank you for taking the time to chat. Well, uh, thank you very much for having me today. So, thepeoplesvote.com, I've been on the site. Uh, you, you've you been rolling it out, which is um, a great way for people to get engaged in politics. And, you know, I've said it a lot on this podcast that, you know, Trump was fantastic for many reasons, but one, that people are talking about issues that no one talked about before he ran, and people are paying attention to politics more than ever before. Um, your website, tell me about the motivation for it, the inspiration for it, and um, you know, give us a little overview of, of what you're doing there. Well, our, um, I first had the idea of civic engagement technology back in 2010 and started work on research and development of the people's vote in, in 2012. Over the past few years, we've had uh, several office, authors uh, on our capital raise. Um, and in the past, since first of the year, we've completed development of phase one of our project and have been beta testing it. Our beta testing uh, survey results, our focus groups have been you know, off the charts. I think that the average citizen today has has reached a point to where um, you know they're confident that their elected officials are simply not going to act in their best interest of their own volition and I think you have you're seeing today more and more citizens you know demanding a say 
in the policies that they're forced to live by. Right. And I think, you know, when you look at politics and a lot of people, you know, think that's a, a four letter words, dirty word, you know, politics is supposed to help people. Um, but there are people in Congress that, you know, there are no term limits on, on congressmen and congresswomen. Uh, President Trump has campaigned on the fact that he will implement term limits and, you know, quote unquote, drain the swamp. Um, you have these people who are in there that take money from special interests and donors from all around the world. And you have a president who's really not beholden to anyone, hasn't taken money from big corporations and big donors, um, just individual donations. Um, so it's a different feel for Trump supporters. They want a government who is responsible. You know, obviously a smaller government. It's it's way too big. We can look at issue by issue of how it's um, how, of why it's so big. But you know, it's important for Trump supporters. Um, to keep the government accountable, keep Washington accountable. And, you know, so far through a little over 100 days, it, uh, there's a lot of obstructionists uh, in, in D.C. Well, boy, I tell you, you know, there's there's just so much. You don't really know where to start. You know, Trump was, um, you know, a big part of, of his campaign was taking, you know, his message directly to the voters and now I think it's it's time for him to take his policies directly to the voters. You know, Donald Trump was elected because people wanted change. Uh, you know, they were uh, they felt that the the direction of the country and the direction of the policies, you know, at this time was um, uh, you know was not in their best interest. And Donald Trump has a has a huge task in front of him when we talk about draining the swamp. You know, we've got politicians who have who have been in office for for decades, and they are certainly part of the problem and have the power and influence uh, from special interest groups and large campaign donors. And uh, Donald Trump has brought them the promise of uh, of a citizen's government, you know, a government in which they're responsive, you know, to the public and are making decisions in their best interest. You know, our our founders never intended, Neil, for, for 535 individuals to reign supreme um, over 200 million citizens. Right. It was never intended to be that way. In fact, you know, Thomas Jefferson uh, wrote that effective government requires well-informed citizens meeting as neighbors so that policies could be decided by the common reason of the citizens themselves. And, and that's what you know, their vision of, of Congress was, you know, unfortunately, you know, over the decades, you know, we had career politicians that, that took control of that process and totally disenfranchised, you know, the citizen from the policymaking process and have made it nearly impossible for them to weigh in and give their opinions, uh, you know, or instructions to their elected officials as to what they represent. Right. And, you know, Congress was never supposed to be, you know, politics in general was never supposed to be a career. It was supposed to be service for a limited amount of time. And unfortunately, you have uh, congressmen and congresswomen with agendas. They come in looking to just get voted in again and again. And the incumbency rate is, you know, over 90 percent. So they stay in there for years on ever decades. And they're never booted out, but they haven't been kept accountable by the people that they are elected to serve. Well, they, they, you're right in that they, they haven't, you know, had accountability, and you're exactly right 
in that it was never uh, in uh, our founders never intended it to be a lifelong career. They were to work part time, do their duty, serve the public, and then go back and work in the districts, uh, you know, that they came from. Um, and you know, to, today, and, and you see it through, you know, different organi organizations of Sunlight.org, and you know, our politicians, you know, go into office for a few terms and they come out multimillionaires. Right. You know, well, how do you how do you do that on one hundred seventy four thousand dollars a year? And and they don't and, and Neil they don't even care that we know that. No, they don't. They don't. Hillary got rich as uh, you know at state. I don't know how she got rich except you know corrupt activity. It wasn't by legal means, that's for sure. No, absolutely. You know, think about it. It wasn't until you know several years ago that uh, insider trading was made illegal for Congress. Right. What what we could virtually you know go to prison for. That was just, you know, the standard operating procedure for Congress to get rich off of uh, insider information. And politics, like is, that. politics is basically a license to lie, too. They're not held accountable for their lies unless they're under oath. And and then and then when they do lie, I mean, just look at what's happened with the uh, with the Hillary email scandal, even when they do lie under oath and are caught. Nothing happens. No, and with the Clinton case, it's it's a little different because we basically have a two-tier justice system. We have one for the Clintons and one for everyone else, and we just know this. I mean, listen, it goes back to Bill Clinton, it goes back to the Rose Law Firm, and then you know with Hillary and taking money from all of these countries and giving them State Department access um, and using – just basically using a – the illegal use of a private email server – that she should have never had, and then that was also hacked by foreign actors, and we know this through testimony. But look at what they're focusing on. They're focusing on um, conspiracy theory. At this point, it's conspiracy of Trump and Russia. There's no basis for it. There's been testimony saying that there is no uh, proof of collusion, but they focus on that, and it's taking away from the policies that Americans care about. And what I'm worried about, and this is why I love what you're doing— what I'm worried about is the Trump agenda never getting enacted. You know, health care, tax reform, um, draining the swamp is a key piece of that, uh, beefing up the military, building the wall. These are all things that Congress is distracting from, and it seems like it's not just Democrats. It's also establishment Republicans because he railed against the establishment. This is someone who is not a typical politician. Well, unfortunately, Neil, you have a – a faction within the Republican Party, uh, you know, walk in the halls of Congress um, that are determined to, to also do whatever they can to make Donald Trump a failed uh, a failed president. You know, when you talk about draining the swamp, you know, a lot of those around him are are living that swamp, and they've got rich in that swamp, and they and they certainly don't want to see anyone coming in that's going to upset you know, upset that card. And so for all of those corrupt career politicians that are part of the problem, he's a major problem to them. And and it's gotten to the point, Neil, you know, where, where he doesn't know who to trust. No. And you, you know, look he, at the leaks that are mounting, uh, which is I mean, you, damaging to our national security. Go on. You you can probably count on one hand in, in in Washington, you can probably count on one hand the number of people that he can really trust. 
Right. You and, know, and, and and it goes down that that mistrust and that sabotage, you know, of his of his policies and his agenda. I mean, goes down to the state level. You see it in the Republican parties in the states, you know, who during the campaign were not totally supportive of Trump. And uh, I tell you, he he's you know, he's got a major task ahead of him, and and it's going to take it's going to take a lot more than for for Trumpsters to to stand on the corner waving signs and attending rallies and protests and marches. That doesn't do it. No, Congress Congress could care less about that. It has no effect whatsoever and neither does all of their rants on social media on facebook and twitter they don't care it doesn't make any difference but here you've got you know these millions of of trump supporters that have not really been engaged uh and, and pointed in the right direction on activities that that will influence uh the members of congress Right. And, you know, and we're talking to Chuck Kirkpatrick today, the founder of thepeoplesvote.com. I find that there's so much misinformation out there, and it's, you know, largely driven by a liberal biased media um, that is against everything that Trump stands for. Just his being. I mean, they don't treat him fairly whatsoever in most of these outlets. Um, So it's very difficult to just discuss policy. Forget about the alleged scandals and these made up, you know, ratings driven uh, scandal that uh, that the media pushes. Um, we want to talk about our health care and our tax reform and, you know, putting money back in the pockets of middle class Americans, um, which have been totally forgotten about the last eight years and, you know, perhaps beyond that. Uh, so you're talking about someone who railed against the establishment, someone who came in as an outsider but understands the way the world works and the private sector and, you know, understands the other side of it and, and working with politicians on, you know, on the private sector level and knowing that he can practically buy people off. Um, now, you mentioned uh, protests, and you know the left has um, taken protests to an extreme uh, they're not even protests or riots, um, and it's complete anarchy, and that drives a lot of attention. Um, but what the right has to do is, I agree with you, is not um, protest. It's keep the government accountable, and really, how do you do that today? And I think this is what you, where the peoplesvote.com could play a really huge role. So tell us about the... Um, uh, the system uh, behind the peoplesvote.com, because when I went on and there was a beta trial that you can actually see um, what bills are put forth in Congress and you basically vote on it and you can tell, you can see what your politicians are voting on so you can keep them accountable and vote them out if you don't like the way they're voting. Well, I think that, um, you know, the, the, the reason that citizens cannot hold elected officials accountable is is there's a there's a missing x factor what i call an x factor and and that x factor is the people's vote the the people unless it's you know uh, an initiative and referendum process and it's on the, the state ballot you know there's no national referendum system so the the people have never been able to vote on the same policies that Congress is voting on. So if you don't have the people's vote to compare it to lawmakers' vote, 
you can't hold them accountable. If if they want if a lawmaker wants to justify a policy decision, then they simply hire a push poll and whatever answer they want they can get, you know, based on how the you know the poll is is worded and the sampling, uh, et cetera. I think 2016 uh, proved beyond a doubt that that political polling simply can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. I think out out of the 12 national polls towards the end of the campaign, only two of them were right. You know, 10 of them were so far off, it was just absolutely ridiculous. So unless unless citizens can vote on the same policies, that X factor uh doesn't allow you to hold them uh, accountable. You know, it, it takes, um, you know, to, today's, you know, digital technology, it, it takes voter engagement technology, you know, to effectively and forcefully instruct our lawmakers to act in the public's best interest. They are simply not going to do it by themselves. Oh. And the people, the people's vote technology uh, utilizes the advisory initiative process, you know, which which provides citizens with an easy to use uh, and formal means of presenting to Congress, you know, their support or opposition to major policies. Uh, the People's Vote platform, uh, we authenticate our members' registered voter status in congressional district, and in phase two, we'll be able to verify citizenship. And and after our ballot period, our system issues a constituent advisory report to each member of Congress that shows them precisely how their constituents voted and exactly how they expect to be represented. So, um, Chuck, what is the timetable for this? Are you going, because I know it's like a, you know, a rollout that's um, just ongoing that you can go on to the peoplesvote.com right now. Um, what is the timetable in terms of the full rollout, the complete, you know, when this will all be completed? Um, and have you talked to members on Capitol Hill? Have you talked to, um, uh, people, uh, in politics and getting this and making sure that, um, our politicians know this and that they can, uh, utilize this really as a tool for them so they know what their people want, uh, but also to keep them accountable. Are they aware? Yeah, in fact, in fact, I did. Uh, I'll, let me break that apart into several yes. several answers here. But uh, several years ago, <clears throat> and this is before our system was was actually developed. I had a um, a beta desktop version of it, uh, and I went to Washington, spent a week in Washington, and um, you know discussed our system with several of the lawmakers. Now, uh, first, keep in mind that there's a there's a feature in our system of um, uh, accountability. Our our system tracks um, the majority vote of a congressional district versus the lawmakers in that district, and when there's a continuing pattern of a lawmaker voting in opposition to what their constituents are asking him or her to do, then it it sends the member a red flag. And and it and the system is constantly tracking um, the percentage of times that the lawmaker is voting with their constituents and against their constituents. So and when I, I also went to Tallahassee and spent a week in Tallahassee. So when I was in Washington and demoing our system, 
the the lawmakers that uh, that I met with, they absolutely loved all the features of our system until I got to that accountability tracking part. Hmm. And then Neil, let, let me tell you that that meeting was over. <laughs> I can imagine. So what was the response that, when you told them about it? It was, it, I mean, the meeting was over. I mean, they had no further interest in our platform whatsoever. Right, because they want to stay there forever, and they don't want to be held accountable. They just want to govern, I guess, however they see that fits their um, agenda, and that they can, I guess, make some sort of wealth based on being in our government, which we're seeing is so corrupt. And you know, and, and, and you're exactly right. And when I went to Tallahassee and presented to uh, several of our state lawmakers, um, only one lawmaker that I spoke with, when I showed them the accountability tracker, this is, this is what he said, and this is the only lawmaker that I've had that supported that, that feature of our system. But he said, Chuck, I think that's great because I don't have to tell my constituents I'm representing them anymore. I can show them. Yeah. And, and, the, and the data is in your system. They can see that, yes, I am carrying out the people's work, and yes, I am doing what they ask me to do. So come election time, I don't have to worry about anybody knocking me off. Now, now there, you know, Neil, it's a there's a way of looking at it. Exactly right, but there's two types of politicians. There's politicians on one side who are who are truly there to do what's best for the American people. They have that sense of patriotism, and they want to serve the people's best interest. And then there's those on the other side who could care less what their constituents want. They are there to serve themselves, to serve the party's best interest, and to make as much money and gain as much power as they possibly can. They don't care what their constituents want them to do. Now, the problem that we have and the problem that we have is the people's vote is it's nearly impossible to distinguish the difference between the two because they, they both stump on, you know, hey, I'm, I'm here for the American people and, you know, send me to Washington and I'm going to help clean it up, and I'm going to do my job for you. Right, and then and we'll we'll see you in a in a you know when it comes election time again because they disappear, and you know it's very difficult for I think the average American to get engaged in politics and to understand what is being passed. I mean, people like us. I mean, I know every bill that's being passed through Congress because I'm up on that. But people don't know, and unless it's in a platform like yours, which again, thepeoplesvote.com, I find would be a fantastic tool, and I think it's going to be because it actually lays out for you what bills have been put forth, and you can read the bills. I mean, it's all public knowledge, but I think people feel so disengaged with it because it's just like an abstract thing that, oh, Washington is just like this big place that, you know, it's big government, big brother. We don't really know what they're doing, and because of that, people feel disenfranchised, and they're not keeping their elected representatives accountable. And it's sad because they're supposed to be for the people, by the people. You're you're exactly right. People, people, the citizens today, the average citizen, they're they're not like you and I. We're political junkies, so we read and know as much as we possibly can. But the average citizens doesn't have time for that, and they don't want to do that. They want to understand what the issue is, 
and then have an opinion on that particular issue. And that and that's what makes the people's vote system different than other services where you can vote on bills that are in front of, you know, um, the House or the Senate. You know, bills are very complicated. Heck, Neil, the lawmakers don't even read the bills. No, which they is can't pathetic. E- they, can't even, they can't even understand the bills. So where our system is different is that we're not, we're not concerned with a bill. Because in a bill, there could be dozens of, um, of issues in that bill. Um, and, and also, we know that when, when something becomes a bill, then it's bought and paid for. Right. You know, it had it has sponsors and co-sponsors. It has lobbyists behind it. It has special interest groups and special interest money behind it. It has cronyism behind it. It has, you know, f- political favors. It has party pressure behind it. So it's very, very hard for citizens to to influence the outcome of a of a bill. So our our business model uh, is, is different in that. That we we look at the specific policy itself or the issue itself, and and that's the issue or policy that we put in front of the voters, not the bill. So to, to give you an example, uh, you know, should should wealthy Americans pay more of the income tax burden? You know, before that became the the Buffett rule, mm-hmm. you know, before Senate, you know that that was debated and and talked about in the in the pool of public opinion for months. So Right, but it's so also that, very vague because and the problem with these bills is that they're way too vague and people who are not engaged in politics, they're watching the news for 30 minutes and they think that they understand, but they really have no clue because they're being told what the media with the people that they're watching want them to know. So for that example, how much should the wealthiest Americans pay? Well, what is considered wealthy? Because people don't understand that under Obama, if you make $75,000, you're considered rich, which is absurd. Oh. How do you put a family <laughs> through college with that? It's exactly right. And that's where and that's where our system is different. Is that we focus on the specific policy itself. And in our language, and, and you've read some of our um, uh, issues in yes. our system, and our language is written in, in, in easier to understand, you know, language. Uh, you know, we remove all of the, you know, the legislative legal ease so the average person can, can understand it. And, and just two particular features in the synopsis of the issue in the background, we try and, and cover as much as we can to help someone make a decision. But in the event that that doesn't do it, then we've got, you know, our pre-filtered research links to where they can look it up uh, very, very easily. So it, it, it takes, for the average citizen, it takes a system that's non-biased. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's non-partisan. We don't, we don't have partisan spin on, our, on the data that we put forth. And, and you see, Neil... We don't we don't care for the citizens vote yes or no. It, it does it doesn't matter to us. We don't have a stake in the outcome of the policy. You know our business model um, is based on presenting unbiased, nonpartisan information on the policies that Congress is voting on, so that citizens can understand it and they can also vote 
on the same policies. Right. And we're talking to Chuck Kirkpatrick, founder of thepeoplesvote.com. I'm glad you said that because um, just because you worked for the Trump campaign in Fort Lauderdale, you're not uh, – your website and platform here is not part of – I mean you go on there, you will not find any bias at all. Um, you know, I'm open and honest about being a Trump supporter, but I lay out the facts. Um, and the thing about Mr. Trump, President Trump, is that he's not an ideological guy, and he's painted as like this far-right, you know, wing conspiratorial, you know, whatever the media wants to portray him as. And the ironic part is he, is, he just put forth a budget that includes infrastructure. That's a liberal, typically a democratic platform uh, policy. He is really not uh, beholden to anyone, and if you look, he's very mixed in his views. Um, social issues, he's very, you know, he's more liberal on than he is in terms of uh, economic policy. Uh, but he's he's realistic, and I think he's relatable to regular Americans. I mean, you saw this in the campaign, and one thing that he was able to do was speak directly to the American people, whether it be on Twitter, um, Facebook, his entire social media platform. Uh, where he talks directly to the people. He doesn't need the media spin um, and will rail against them like no other candidate has ever done um, and just pointing out any time that something is false against him. Uh, and so he never let anyone define him. He was able to take his message to the people like no one has ever done. Um, that platform, I'm sure, has uh, influenced you and inspired you in creating this because – ThePeoplesVote.com allows the people to see all the information and make up their mind without any other influences. And when I talk to people, they don't really know what's going on uh, in Washington because they're hearing it through all these filters. I wish that people would just read the raw data, and I think this um, platform will do that. Well, if, if you think about it also, and, and you're right about President, uh, about President Trump. Uh, I'm I'm actually a registered independent, and uh, I, I did work on the Trump campaign uh, because for years I have always said, for as long as I can remember, that the president of the United States needs to be a successful businessman and entrepreneur. Right. A a career politician cannot do what what is right for the uh, for the public. They simply can't. Um, you know, we look at, um, uh, if, if you look at the government and, you know, the government is the largest corporation in the world. When you think about it in those terms, That's you know, true. they have, they have four, they have four trillion dollars in gross revenue. You know, they employ like four million people. They have a half a million supervisors, but, but we're, we're literally one year away from bankruptcy. So, so if you think about it, who is the most qualified to take that largest company in the world and turn it around? Yeah, is I it think, a career? Uh, it, is it a career politician who has never ran a business in their life, or is it a successful businessman who has had experience in turning companies around and putting them on the right track? Yeah, I agree with you, and I think a lot of people have said for a very long time we need someone with. Um, with a business background in the White House, and then when it came 
to President Trump, there's, I mean, there were a lot of people who would not come out and say that they supported him, um, and that was, you know, like the silent majority, uh, so to speak, but there were a lot of uh, people who said, well, we don't want that one, it's time for a woman, but they weren't going on the issues, and see, that's the thing, is that the issues matter, and there's too much talk about process, and there's too much talk about scandal and things that make the headlines that's not what people ultimately care about. I mean, you know, you're in the community. You talk to people. Um, where, what do people say to you about issues? What, what are their top issues that they care about um, that affects them? Well, I think that's that's what everybody's concerned about. You know, I think it's the um, uh, you know it's the uh, it's the Trump resistance movement. You know, that is determined to do whatever they can to make sure his presidency fails. You know, that's the, the group that's really causing the problem. You know, regardless of, of what, you know, the, the, the liberals say, Donald Trump won. And, and, ten, and over 60 million people have said they want his policies. They agree with his policies, and they want to see those policies come to life. But but it's up to the American people to make that happen. Yes, absolutely. You know, Neil, it's 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 no longer about Donald Trump the man. For, forget that he was elected. It is what it is. Right. They have to get and over. Now, it. That's right. And now the American people and the Trump supporters have to focus on pushing his policies through Congress. Forget about su- su- supporting the man. You've already done that. He's the president. You know, sign waving his rallies and protests, you know, that that's supporting, you know, the man you have to get you, you. We have to be able to put those tens of millions of citizens on the cyber floor of the House and Senate so they can vote on the same policies that Congress is voting on and then hold them accountable to do exactly what the people are asking them to do. Right. And if you're paying and, and the no, and the people's vote technology and the people's vote technology, you know, allows you to do that. You know, when if you're paying attention to politics for the first time because of President Trump, um, what you notice is that you have someone in the Oval Office who works about 20 hours a day. He does not stop. Uh, he's got more energy than anyone. Uh, in fact, uh, Rex Tillerson was joking the other day that uh, we wish that he would be tired because it's so hard to keep up with him and his energy. <laughs> you have Congress. They take vacations all the time. They take more vacations than the regular American. They're unrelatable because they take these vacations. They go. They're worried about votes, and they're not actually working. And there was a study. I think it was on 60 Minutes couple, maybe two years ago that showed uh, that they spend uh, more than a third of their day worried about votes and raising money. And all their time is wasted on raising money. It all comes down to money, um, which is said that they're supposed to be public servants, and that's what they're focusing on. Um, So to keep them accountable is so key. Oh, Neil, have have you read uh, the book Drain the Swamp? I have not. Who wrote, who wrote that? That's uh, by Congressman Ken Buck. Okay, I, I've heard of it. I will uh, look into I'm it. I'm telling you, Neil, you have got to read that book. Okay. I thought I thought I knew how bad it was because I've been involved in politics for uh, nearly 30 years. Wow. I thought I knew how bad it was. I'm telling you, when, when you read that book, you won't believe how corrupt 
It really is. I was I was shocked at some of the things that that he was talking about that goes on in the halls of Congress. Right, I mean, I and I shocked. think and I think people think that it's it's made up that it's a, a conspiracy, but this stuff goes on and see because people have this impression that it, this can't be going on that. It does go on, and it goes on behind the scenes, and we know, I mean, we have evidence of what Hillary did. We have evidence of what Obama did, sending billions of dollars to Iran that funded terrorism, um, you know, and you just go country by country in foreign policy. You go issue by issue, and you just see the um, the self-indulgence uh, activities that are committed by presidents and, and people in Congress. You know, uh, Neil, it, it, it's sad to, to see, especially when you read the book and, and understand it further, but it's sad to see that our new politicians, you know, our rookie seniors and our rookie congressmen who, who go to Washington, who really want to do the right thing, but they don't stand a chance. No. They, they absolutely do not. The system is so corrupt and so demanding, you either play their game or you're going to be forced out very quickly. And the way that they do it, you'll be damn glad you did get out. And I think that's what they're trying to do to President Trump now, Chuck, is that, you know, they've been calling uh, Democrats like Maxine Waters and Elizabeth Warren um, have been calling for Trump's impeachment since before he was inaugurated. And now they're trying to jump on anything that they can based on illegal leaks and unsubstantiated claims. And they're saying that, they, you know, it's time to impeach Trump. And what they're going to do is they're going to try to run him out of there because he wants to drain the swamp. And I think more than ever, Trump needs – and I don't know how many trusted advisors he really has. I would say probably besides his daughter and his son-in-law, I would say Priebus and I would say uh, Bannon. Um, but besides them, I don't really know how deep his, um, uh, his White House um, circle can be. Uh, and he's got to put forth now – um, ways to fire these uh, bureaucrats that are um, that have an agenda, that are career bureaucrats that do not want government to be smaller um, and are undermining the president. He needs to go after these illegal leakers, which apparently he's been asking for for months, and the intelligence community is not doing anything about it. Uh, and he needs to put forth uh, the a plan to drain the swamp, meaning. Um, term limits on Congress. And obviously that's going to be very difficult to pass through, but he's got to get this in some way because once he does that, it'll be much easier to implement an agenda that is for the people. Exactly. You know, Neil, more more than ever, and, and guy, everybody sees this through the media, more, more than ever, Trump has to have support for his policies. You know, Congress has has been given immense power when it when it comes to uh, to policies, and and citizens that support Trump's policy, and you don't have to support Donald Trump the man in order to support what he believes in the policies that he believes in. Of course, but 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 citizens have to get off of ranting and venting on social media and some of the other things they do, and they have to get involved in in the policies that are before Congress. 
You, you cannot influence policy by calling your member of Congress. That is an absolute joke. Mm -hmm. The Washington switchboard has 34 operators, and they can only handle 50,000 calls an hour. On a normal day like today, they are already operating at double its maximum capacity. So when there's when there's a call to action, and for instance, President Obama, you know, asked uh, you know 200 million citizens to call their member of Congress about the, you know, the um, uh, the balanced budget, yes. you know, back in 2011, it was an absolute disaster, and, and and they know that they absolutely know that, right? And they don't care. I mean, the, the call doesn't matter to them unless it's a lobbyist or some powerful um, person. On the line. Um, and so let me ask you this. We're talking to Chuck Kirkpatrick, uh, thepeoplesvote.com. Um, when you talk to people, what are – because I know when people – when you hear um, get engaged in politics, well, people say, well, I don't want to be a politician. Uh, I'd never do that. But getting engaged is more than that. Getting engaged is when you care about issues like lowering your taxes and keeping more money in your in your wallet and lower deductibles and premiums for your you know so you, your children can get proper health care. Um, these are issues that people care about, um, and they don't have to be in in politics to be influential in policy. And that's what your platform does right online, which is, uh, you know, we got to use the Internet to our benefit in these ways. So when you talk to people, what are the issues that they care about most? Well, Neil, that, that's it. You know, the people are, uh, you know, concerned about their health care costs. Mm -hmm. You know, when you when you have a, a, a the average family, I mean, their health care premiums sometimes are more than their mortgage payment. And that you know that that's simply that's simply not right, and it continues to go up. You know they're worried about their family, uh, their their uncles or their cousins or brothers or sisters that can't that can't find jobs. You know that have been unemployed. They're worried about the cost of fuel. They're worried about uh, you know terrorism and bombs blowing up on them. They're 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 worried about the things that citizens have been worrying about for decades. Yet Congress has has never done anything about it, and I think they see they finally see, you know, the vision of Donald Trump, and that it it has to be America first. Yeah, it has, and and it should have always been, and it should always be. America should come first. These are we we should we should not be fixing problems, and it's just my personal opinion. We should not be spending billions of billions of dollars in fixing. Uh, issues in other countries when our own when people in our own country are hurting when we have veterans dying because they can't get health care appointments yep you know we have veterans living on the streets we have single mothers working three jobs just to keep their electric on and it, and it's not right no it's I, simply not right and this isn't discussed and this is what goes on in the communities but they don't care about it because for them they can go out there and make a stump speech talking about Democrats for the most part, especially in uh, cities like Chicago and Detroit, and they know that those are guaranteed votes or they don't show up to vote. But they they take votes for granted, and they're not really – they may make promises. They never keep them. Um, you know, you talk about um, uh, veterans, and uh, you're a veteran uh, at the Navy, and thank you for your service. We do a lot on here about veterans and the way that they've been treated has been probably the biggest sin that uh, ever in this country. 
um, in terms of, you know, you have people who have fought bravely to keep us safe. They were not respected. There is, I see so much disrespect, especially from young people when it comes to the military, when it comes to people who have fought to keep us safe. And then you have a president who is overseas for eight days and he's respected by world leaders because they know that they cannot mess around anymore. They cannot treat us with disrespect and expect that we're not going to do anything about it. And we're not going to intervene, but we will when our interests are at stake. And right now, you know, you have a uh, terror attack last night uh, in the UK at that uh, Ariana Grande concert. And it reminds people that the threat is real, that open border policies do not work, that it, it makes us vulnerable. And it goes to show you that in, it's going on in Europe. It's not. This is not the Middle East that seems so far-fetched to people. This is Europe. This is people are walking across borders and are not being detected. This is at a major concert venue where you would think that they check bags. This can happen anywhere in the U.S. and there's a radicalization that is going on. And it goes to show you that everything that President Trump has talked about really for years because he's been involved in politics for a long time. Um, this is something that shouldn't be a political issue. It shouldn't be a divisive ideological issue. It should be common sense of protecting our borders and protecting our citizens. And how about, Neil, we haven't even talked about, you know, protecting uh, law enforcement personnel. Correct. My, yes. My son, my son is a police officer. That's the only job he's ever had. Went to police academy right out of high school. Wow. And, and, you know, he has a wife and three kids my grandkids, and let me tell you, blue lives matter. They do. And and it's it's unbelievable the the um, the attitude that our government has had over the past several years regarding our law enforcement. I mean, these are the people that, that keeps us safe. You know, if you if you really want to see terrorism. You know, tell our law enforcement personnel to sit at home for the next few weeks. Yeah, I, I agree and, with and you. Just, you know, there's just there's just so much wrong that citizens can can no longer just shake their head in dis disbelief and say, "Well, that's politics." Well, it's not politics. You know, politics, and and for those people that say, "Well, I don't have time to get involved in politics," but let me say this: politics is either going to happen to you or it's going to happen with you. But one way or the other, you, every citizen uh, has an interest in politics. The peoplesvote.com system makes it very, very easy. In, in just a few minutes per week, you can understand the major issues, cast a vote on those issues, and you can be assured that your vote is going to be combined with millions of others. You're no longer one vote on your own. Your vote's going to be combined with millions of others, and it's going to be automatically sent to your member of Congress. They are going to exactly know the, the real validated public opinion on a particular issue and not through the bias of polls. You're so on point, and this is where people need to understand what's going on in their country and not just shake their head in despair like you said because I think people become so disenfranchised, and I know people who are so discouraged when they watch the media and they read articles, and it's just – it really is discouraging, and I can understand it. But you have to take a page, and this is where 
put politics aside, when Trump speaks at, you know, a university like Liberty University and says, never quit, never give up, um, and he sends a message of really optimism, but, um, strength and being motivated, uh, being motivated to make, uh, an impact, not to let things happen to you without you taking charge and making a, um, proactive, um, effort. And I think that's what we can take out of this. I mean, you may not agree with Trump on everything. I don't think any one person could agree with any uh, one person on, on everything. So I get that. But look at the policy. Look at what's going on in our country. And this man, people have to realize, does not owe anybody anything. He doesn't need this. I mean, he's not even taking a salary. He doesn't need a salary. And what's going on, what's being portrayed on him is so utterly unfair. And we need to just worry about the people in this country because that's what government is supposed to do. Uh, it's supposed to work for the people. Um, and so I, I'm encouraged by what you're doing because I think if people could be a little bit more optimistic that, you know, if they get engaged and they um, keep their people accountable and use the Internet for good – that I think something positive could come out of this. Absolutely. You know, and, and thinking about the, peop the people's involvement, and I think it's gotten to that point today that people are just, they're just so frustrated with, you know, the bickering and gridlock and, and lies and corruption and, and, you know, deceit and dishonesty that they know that, that if they don't get involved, that, you know, things are not going to change. You know, our, our founders intended for the, for the government process to be interactive and participatory. There, there is no question about that. That is exactly what they intended. But it's not going to be that way unless citizens take the lead and make it happen. You know, every, every year, uh, you know, politicians spend millions of dollars on the latest get out the vote technology and, right. and, and reaching you on your cell phone and making it easier for you to contribute money and making it easier for, for you to set up events to help support their campaign. But they have never spent a dollar on technology that helps citizens understand the issues and participate in the decisions they are forced to live by. Now, why do you think that is? Go, you can go on. You know, it's they, they, they don't want that to happen. And that's why there are so many lawmakers in Tallahassee and in Washington that when I got to the part of our system that shows where we held them accountable, the meeting was over. They simply yeah. don't want that. And you know, Neil, what, what that told me, I've got it right. Yeah, absolutely, and it makes a lot of sense because when they call and it's voting time, all of a sudden they're visible and they always ask for money. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> and the Trump campaign, I give them a lot of credit because I'm on all their emails. They never really asked for money. They didn't do it in such a way that is typically um, done. Uh, they, of course, have to fundraise, but he used his own money for the primary. General election, he did fundraise more um, and brought in some more uh fundraising people and more, um, of, you know, officials in the campaign and hired more people. Um, but he didn't ask for money consistently like these politicians do. And, um, you know, that's got, that's the whole thing is that people think that getting involved means donating money. And then your money just goes into a huge cesspool. Um, and it's not serving the best interests of the people. Exactly right. 
I think, though, Neil, that, you know, citizens are finally getting it. 2016 was a very pivotal year, and, and more and more people now are demanding that they have a say in the policies they're forced to live by. Our founders meant it to be that way. It was taken away from them, and now they want it back. Yep. The people's vote gives you the technology. You know, tr Donald Trump uh, speaks a lot about a citizen's government, and we've heard that term uh, a lot about a citizen's government. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it is impossible to have a citizen's government without technology to manage it. It simply can't be done. And, and Not the in people, this age. ThePeoplesVote.com has the technology to to support a true citizen's government by giving them an easy mechanism to get involved in the decisions that Congress is making. Chuck, I really enjoyed talking with you. Is there anything that um, that you've left out that you want to add in or that I didn't ask? Uh, yeah, Neil, we, we, I know you had asked me, and I think I went, went past that, but what's the, the rollout date and the immediate future of the peoplesvote.com? Right. You know, over the, the past few years, I have uh, personally funded about 95% of the development. We have had a handful of angel investors that provided our initial seed capital, but, but we're, we're past that point now. Our, our next step is, is to go big. You know, we've completed phase one, but phase two uh, provides a lot more features in our system and it has its own social network, a politics-only social network. It has chat rooms for each particular issue, and it has a variety of other major voter issues. But the, the ability for me to, to fund development and launching a phase two is simply out of, uh, you know, out of reach. Okay. Uh, so, so sometime in mid-June, and we're working on it now, we're um, uh, detailing out a crowdfunding platform you know, that will help us move somewhat to the next step. But we still need startup capital. You know, our, our company, to launch our company and to, to bring technology like this to market is, is not a cheap thing. This is not some simple online poll or some simple online survey. You know, it, it's, a, it's a very intricate civic engagement technology, and we need help in doing that. So you let know, me, we're let me ask for, you this. If you're, uh -huh. you're going to do a crowdfunding campaign for this, and this is something that once the money is in there and the infrastructure is built, I'm assuming the cost will drastically go down, and this is obviously a public service, um, how, would, how are you going to be able to make revenue on this, or is it going to be just the public service, no advertising? I'm just curious of what the if there's a business model to this. Yeah, we have we have a full uh, business plan and three year financial projections and surveys and focus group results, et cetera, research. But yes, our our business model is based on the freemium model. So the our basic registration is free. We feel like it shouldn't cost a citizen anything to have his voice heard in Congress. And our business model is based on that. So uh, every citizen can register and vote on the policies, and there's no cost for doing that. We monetize that through advertising revenue. The, the second stage of membership or the second level of membership is an ad-free membership. So for a few dollars a year, a member can join 
uh, enjoy all those features, but he doesn't have any of the the uh, you know the constant advertising pop-ups and videos, okay. et cetera. And the, that that uh, ad-free model has been very very popular in tons of subscription um, services, you know, for the past few years. And then our our third business level is the premium model, and for uh, uh, for a few dollars per year, the member can have all of the features, our, um, our, our mobile uh, applications, our chat rooms, our social network, but, but they also have the ability, and that's only $14.99 per year. So they also have the ability to, to analyze the, the voting data. For instance, Neil, we, we collect about uh, 20 different demographics on a member when they join. Right. And our premium members have the ability to slice and dice that data. So if you want to see how voters in Miami voted, Hispanics in Miami aged 25 to 34, I mean, you have the ability to analyze all the data in a variety of different demographics. And no system no system has the ability to do that other than the peoplesvote.com. And it's very easy to use, too. So, okay, so phase one is up. So if you go to peoplesvote.com right now, um, you can fill out – well, you could try out the beta test, and that gives you some feedback as well. Uh, that's something I did. And then what do you get out of it? You, and it's very clean. I like the way it's laid out because it's very easy to read and understand and sort. Um, if you go on there now, what do you get out of it? What do you mean as as far as who gets out of it? Well, so a person goes on to thepeoplesvote.com right now. Phase one is done. Obviously, there's more to come. Uh, what is available on the site today? Well, we have we have several of our, you know, the policy issues posted on it, but our uh, – and, and we're still beta testing it. A, a lot of the, the features uh, that you saw when you were on the site – have have been implemented because of suggestions you know from from our beta testers okay. so we would we would certainly like to have more beta testers in the system and giving us feedback and opinions of what would make our system good or what what's not good or whatever because we've made a lot of improvements over the past few months based on uh, beta tester um, comments so we'd certainly like to see more beta testers going into the system and letting us know uh, what to think. Well, listen, Chuck Kirkpatrick, I think you're doing an amazing job. I think this will serve uh, the people well and get people engaged, especially um, in this uh, era. We're seeing so much corruption in Washington, and uh, it'll be um, it'll be encouraging to see people get involved and use the Internet, I think, in a positive way because I think it can be. Uh, but people need to be engaged and be engaged in the right way. Instead of just cursing someone out because you don't agree with somebody, you know, why don't you put your mouth and, and pen and paper to uh, good use, so to speak, and um, and get engaged in, in policy that affects you and your family and, and other Americans. Uh, so I love this. I want you to come on again and keep in touch with us and let us know how everything turns out, all right? And so we can uh, tell our audience how they can uh, keep involved in, in the political realm. Well, thank you very much, Neil. I appreciate being on there, and I appreciate you 
letting me share the People's Vote concept uh, with your listeners. I really appreciate it. You got it. Chuck Kirkpatrick, founder of thepeoplesvote.com. Again, thepeoplesvote.com, also the former manager for the Fort Lauderdale uh, Donald J. Trump campaign office and a Navy vet as well. So thank you so much for your service, and thank you for coming on today. All right, many thanks to Chuck, and uh, we'll have him on again soon. A uh, very, very good website, thepeoplesvote.com, they can check out. And uh, listen, uh, with so much clutter that's going on, you need to stay informed. And really the motivation for this podcast is to dissect everything that's going on in the world. And sometimes there's just so much news, it is hard to get everything in. And so today, just focusing on a, on a few topics, but uh, so much that's going on, it, it's so hard to stay informed and, and know what the real news is. I mean, people come up to me all the time and say, hey, did you hear this? Uh, yeah, I saw the alert. It's misleading or it's false. Um, and so, so many people are, are misled in this world. You are fake news. And, uh, you know, and that exists. So uh, we need to stay alert. We need to be up on it. So thepeoplesvote.com, good website. Um, meanwhile, a friend of mine, Michael Cutler, uh, you know, means a friend of the program, uh, retired immigration and naturalization service agent. Uh, he's a contributor to Front Page Magazine. And he wrote an article today that I just want to communicate with you because, you know, we talk about immigration and there are so many um, things intertwined with immigration, whether it be on the economic front and the economic issues of jobs in which people really care about and wages. And obviously illegal immigration drives down our wages in this country, um, but also uh, national security, the opioid epidemic as well um they're saying in the, in the uk and we talked about uh, brexit before which is a uh, big uh, piece of um uh, uh, because of immigration and, and open borders that you don't need to show a visa you don't need to show any documentation when you cross those borders which is insane i mean you have to show identification to purchase stamps for god's sakes okay and you're worried uh, and you're not worried, I should say, about terrorists walking in through the country. You're not going to check their identification, but you check IDs for stamps. I, I mean, it just boggles my mind. Okay, and the other day I'm getting stamps that to show ID, to show ID for everything. Um, well, the British Prime Minister Theresa May, as we're speaking on this podcast, has just said that they raised the threat of terrorism from severe to critical, which means that a terror threat is imminent in the UK. And they come from the United Kingdom here. They come in through the refugee population and the immigration population. Uh, Director of National Intelligence, James Clapper, and Colmey, and, um, and all of our top intelligence officials have said that they will and they are infiltrating our refugee population. But Obama let thousands and thousands in anyway. And we have open borders, which is sick. Now, luckily, we have a law enforcement agency now under Attorney General Jeff Sessions and under the president who is enforcing immigration laws. Well, a new piece of legislation, a bill, has been put forth, um, and this is what Michael Cutler highlighted in his article on Front Page Magazine, that there's a new bill in Congress uh, to further address the immigration issue. Now, as you know, members of uh, pernicious transnational gangs from around the world, not just Latin America, but also uh, coming from Europe and other places, okay, have easily entered the U.S. and set up shop in our communities, Long Island being a prime example, in Hempstead, 
in uh, places in San Diego and San Francisco, all sanctuary cities. Set up shop across the U.S. peddling narcotics and perpetrating violent crimes, kill it, killing people, raping people, pillaging. Failures in the immigration system have not only surpassed the wages of American and lawful immigrants, but also have cost millions of American workers their very jobs, as Michael Cutler writes. Nevertheless, for decades, uh, politicians from both sides of the political aisle have intentionally refused to effectively address the failures of the immigration system. As we talked about with Chuck, it is special interests that own these politicians. On May 16th, so a few days ago, Congressman Paul, uh, Raul R. Labrador, a Republican representative from Idaho, was joined by House Judiciary Committee Chairman Bob Goodlatte in introducing a bill. It is H.R. 2431, Michael Davis Jr. and Danny Oliver in honor of State and Local Enforcement Act, Local Law Enforcement Act. Okay, so this bill, let me tell you about it. It is named after Michael Davis Jr. and Danny Oliver, two California law enforcement officers who were killed by an illegal alien. We have too many stories of this. Kate Steinle being a prime example. Um, the girl that was raped in Maryland uh, not too long ago. The two-year-old sexually assaulted in Hempstead, New York. Uh, all of these recent cases. Houston, Texas, the two uh, goons who murdered an uh, innocent person. Um, and the uh, this bill will address, uh, does address the visa process and the enforcement for immigration laws from within the interior of the United States. It addresses some of the multiple failures of the interior enforcement mission and finally connects the dots between the failures of interior enforcement and national security. This is not a um, just a uh, immigration issue. This is a national security and a human rights issue. Most significantly, it provides resources and solutions. Now, Michael Cutler is testifying from the 9-11 Commission, days after 9-11 attack, talking about how this was a failure of the immigration system, that two, uh, that the 9-11 uh, hijackers okay, gained uh, permits, license to fly days after they flew planes into the World Trade Center. This is something that we're addressing I, I, through a bill that, by the way, better pass Congress 16 years after the deadliest attack ever. This is what's going on, folks. This is what they want to do again. They don't want to just kill us. They want to torture us, okay? And we're worried about torturing them. They want to infiltrate their ideology and take over the United States, so now is the time that we come to grips with the reality of this dangerous ideology and that we keep government accountable to protect us and our interests. America first. It's about time. America first. We can't be um, getting involved in every conflict, but we have to get involved in those that affect our security. And that means increasing our military budget, taking care of those who protect us, and putting America first. Plain and simple. It's a simple phrase. It has a very large and profound meaning. Alright, so that's it for the podcast today. We'll be back soon. Uh, a lot going on, as you know. So stay in touch with us on social media, uh, at Neil A. Caruso on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. 
And uh, we'll be in touch with all the real deal news you need to know. But I tell you, there's a lot going on. And they're focusing on the wrong things. They're focusing on salacious stories. But we need to protect our country. There's a lot of crime. And there's a lot of uh, problems that this president has to fix. And God bless him. I don't know how he does it. He got a lot of energy. He's overseas right now. Meeting with the Pope. Uh, tomorrow, early tomorrow morning here on the East Coast. It'll be 2.30 a.m. our time. Uh, so, you know, he's got an ambitious agenda. We need to help him get that agenda through. Because it will keep us safe and make us prosperous. God bless you. God bless America. We'll talk soon. And we'll see you next time. Stay classy, everyone. The Neil A. Caruso Show podcast is a production of Caruso Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining. Passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil A. Caruso on social media. And log on to neilacaruso.com to sign up for Caruso's comments, newsletters, and be the first to know.